there are communities that exist for different conditions of people that do care and want to go through this journey with you. Welcome to this episode of Finding Your Range podcast with me, your host, Jeannie Debon, a movement therapist who specializes in hypermobility, EDS, and chronic pain. And I'm joined today with um, Kia Steele, and I'm delighted to have her here with us. And we're going to have a really interesting chat. Um, well, I'll let her explain to you what we're going to chat about, but um, I'm just going to read her bio out to you. So after a lifetime of symptoms, Kia was diagnosed with mast cell activation syndrome in 2015. Soon after, in effort to cope with the disease, Kia created Hells, Bells and Mast Cells, a blog and collection of memes raising awareness about chronic illness and disability through humour. Like many mast cell patients, Kia also struggles with dysautonomia and EDS, completing what she calls her three ring circus. Kia lives in Minneapolis, Minnesota with her poodles, Kiote and Sancho. And Kia recently finished filming a documentary on mast cell activation syndrome, which is gonna be really a great film. So I look forward to seeing that when it comes out. Welcome Kia and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So your intro mentioned that you've had a lifetime of symptoms before you got your mast cell diagnosis. And actually, before we jump into that, um, what is mast cell? I mean, a lot of our listeners won't know what mast cells are. Um, what, what is mast cell activation? Yeah, when I was diagnosed with mast cell activation syndrome, well, I thought I couldn't have it because I had never heard of what a mast cell was. I don't remember learning about it in biology class. Yes. But mast cells are white blood cells that are part of your immune system. And yes. they um, help with allergic reactions. So everyone has mast cells. And if you have any type of allergy, whether that's a food allergy or you know seasonal allergies, your mast cells release dozens of chemicals in your body that cause symptoms of an allergic reaction. Yes. In the case of mast cell activation syndrome, you have overreactive mast cells. So mast cells that are releasing those chemicals excessively throughout your body. Mast cells are located in like almost every part of the body, you know, yeah. from your head to your toes, in yes. your skin, yes. in your blood. Um, so it can affect you in so many different ways. And, you know, if, if you've struggled with seasonal allergies, you know, they can yeah. really cause a lot of debilitating symptoms. Yes. Okay. So, so you start, so you didn't know you had mast cells. So you had this lifetime of symptoms and before you got your diagnosis. So what was happening for you as you grew up and what, what, what was your journey like? I didn't really perceive myself as chronically ill until I was in my late 20s. I had a lot of digestive issues that were affecting my quality of life. You know, I was spending a lot of time in the bathroom or just incredible amounts of pain. Yes. And I would try all different kinds of diets, you know, like gluten-free, soy-free, and none of them were 
you know, making a huge difference. I still had a lot of pain. And um, I ran for office, uh, Edina City Council, my city council. And I think I really stressed out my body, you know, the political environment is not very healthy for a lot of people. And um, my health just like went in a downward spiral. I started falling down the stairs because my muscles would get weak and I kind of like lose my balance. Um, My digestive issues got so bad that I wasn't keeping food down anymore. Mm-hmm. I had bone pain and I attributed a lot of it to anxiety. I blamed it on myself until it got so bad that like my hip inflammation was making me cry when I tried to walk. Or I remember going to the grocery store, needing my mom to help me at age 29. And I couldn't lift a jar of pasta sauce off of the shelf because of muscle weakness and inflammation in my joints. Right. But when I was diagnosed, one of the questions I was asked right away is, when did you realize that your health was different than other people? Yes. And my doctor said, for most people with mast cell disease, it starts as far back as infancy. And at that time I thought of, oh yeah, I had asthma in elementary school and I, you know, I did track and field and that affected me. I had allergies to medications and I, you know, had these weird injuries all the time. And I was like going to the doctor, I knew to build up my healthcare savings account to get the full amount of money that I could use every year even in my 20s. And I don't know a lot of 20 year olds that do that. So I just had this like intuition about it. Yeah. But even now, so I was diagnosed five years ago, and I just received my baby book from my parents, which has a bunch of memories and photos of me as an infant. And I opened it up. And you know, it's normal for the most part until you get to the health section. Yeah. And my mom had recorded labs that showed I was anemic until I was at least three years old. And that's one common complication of mast cell disease Uh where your body isn't digesting the nutrition you need because of inflammation. And I'm anemic right now and receiving iron infusions. So um, it's really informative because a doctor will often see it from a certain point in time right now And what can I do right now? But I've been struggling with this since I've been born. It just didn't become disabling until I was 29. Wow. Okay. And did you know about EDS at this point? You didn't have your EDS diagnosis either. No. Okay. And honestly, I didn't grow up doing the party tricks where you show your different hypermobile joints. But if if I look back, I had issues, you know, I'd have like weird sprains and yes. my parents would kind of wonder if I was faking it. I remember going to the dentist and throwing out my neck at, in fourth grade. Um, I tried to do track and field hurdles and my back did not like that. Wow. Yeah. Um, and uh, what happened for me was that I had a specialist that could help me with it. And there was no curiosity about hypermobility at that time. 
So I was really grateful that I had a mast cell disease specialist because that is quite rare. Um, It's not a very common field at this point. But there was no curiosity in hypermobility or dysautonomia for that matter. But I started experiencing subluxations of my ribs and I attributed a lot to the inflammation from mast cell disease, but I started seeing a chiropractor. And unfortunately, uh, the chiropractor was aware of hypermobile patients and performed very um, gentle manipulations because she she knew how sensitive um, her patients could be. Yes. Regardless, I suffered a CSF leak when I had an adjustment up in the cervical area. And And luckily, because I had been, I'm sorry, that's a cerebral spinal fluid leak. So what happened was they used a, um, I forgot, a tool on my neck to adjust the vertebrae. And unfortunately, it punctured a hole in the dura around my brain. So I simply call that my brain sac, the membrane around my brain. And spinal fluid was leaking into my ear and my primary care doctor could see that behind my eardrum, it was completely full to the top with fluid. Wow. And that's a very horrible experience, let me tell you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, When your spinal fluid pressure drops, you have incredible pain and it felt like someone took a bat to the back of the base of my skull and um, it was anytime I stood up I would be incredible pain because that pressure would drop so I couldn't even lift my head to drink water or to go to the bathroom without throwing up unfortunately this doctors do not um, know much about hypermobility or CSF leaks And I struggled to get an epidural blood patch to resolve this issue for four months. So I was in incredible pain trying to keep my job and I could barely lift my head off the pillow without pain so bad I would vomit. Um, At that point, when I started seeking care, I just started saying, I have mast cell activation syndrome and hypermobility and Ehlers-Danlos syndrome is very common with mast cell disease patients. Yes. And finally, I found a team, a radiologist that was familiar with CSF leaks, and they got me an epidural blood patch. And honestly, within a minute of receiving that patch, I had relief. So um, unfortunately, a lot of patients go for these, yeah, patients go through these horrific experiences um, and that's how we learn about our bodies. Yes, yes. It's just so unfortunate, isn't it, that we have to go through all of this um, to learn through, you know, personal experience. Um, you know, and uh, as you said, mast cell is not something that's really very well known at the moment, is it? Um, it's just an emerging field, really, especially in its relationship to EDS. So it's great that you're you're bringing awareness to it. So um, it's, it's, you know, very grateful for you spreading this awareness. Um, So how difficult is it living with 
mast cell syndrome, mast cell activation syndrome now? You know, how have you had to adapt your life? Yeah, it, it definitely feels like your world falls apart when, if mast cell disease gets out of control. So I want to be clear, and one of the myths is that everyone with mast cell disease has this debilitating illness and these disabilities. And in reality, mast cell activation syndrome can be a spectrum. A spectrum, and yeah. That's why seeking testing and treatment can be helpful, just like with hypermobility to prevent damage to your body. Yes. And, you know, I didn't experience rashes or flushing of my neck until I was 29. So it doesn't automatically mean that you're having these life-threatening allergic reactions all the time. Yes. However, I didn't listen to the screaming of my body. And unfortunately, I didn't have the help I need at the time to, you know, do the treatments that I needed and avoid damage to my body. So- yes. You know, after by the time I was diagnosed, I was having such serious reactions to fragrances and chemicals that I became very isolated. And um, some other triggers can be like hot or cold temperatures, just yeah. moving around. Any yes. stress on the body can be really difficult when your mast cells are so reactive that they're basically viewing everything as a threat. You know, whether it's healthy food in most people's eyes or even simple movements like walking around, your body can become so reactive that even laying on the couch, your heart is pounding out of control. So I have been able to get a lot of my symptoms under control, but unfortunately, those chemical and fragrance triggers still make me really isolated. So I can't just go to the mall and go shopping without making myself sick because I can smell fragrance on a person, you know, many yards away from me. Yes. And luckily due to the pandemic, I'm working from home now. Yes. Um, working has been always very challenging for me because it makes me sick, but I depend on it for my health care and in order to keep my safe home and survive. Yeah. So I would spend all my energy going to work and then recovering from the reactions afterwards. Wow. And so working from home has been the single greatest improvement to my life. However, I'm stuck in a condo with two toy poodles and I don't get to see anyone. Um, you know, I have a couple friends who understand what I'm allergic to and they come over wearing fragrance-free products, and they're yes. very accommodating when I have low energy. Yes. And we do low energy activities. Yes. And I appreciate that so much. But I've had to find new friends who will do that for me. Yeah. And it's kind of like you rebuild your world after your diagnosis. Yes. And, you know, in some ways I'm very grateful because I have stronger people in my life who show up Absolutely. at the hospital and know exactly what I need yes. and understand the challenges I'm going through. But it's a very difficult journey. Yeah. Gosh, absolutely. But yeah, like you say, you rebuild yourself, don't you? You rebuild your network of people who, who actually understand. You know, there's nothing worse with being with people who just think you're being a pain in the, 
the backside, right? You're just being difficult or you have to cancel plans. And we don't need people like that in our life. You know, we need that strong support network. So I'm really glad you've got, you've got some friends you can rely on. Very difficult. Um, so you're, you've obviously taken part in a documentary and, and you've got your amazing, um, your blog. And what would you like to see changed in how these like EDS or Marcel or any kind of chronic illness, what needs to change? Obviously raising awareness, which is what you're doing is great and part of it, but what else needs to change, do you think? There's definitely a lack of testing. So lack of testing. I truly believe yeah. that um, the diagnoses will become more prevalent when there's more access to testing. I'm just really lucky that there was a specialist in Minnesota yes. at the time that I needed a diagnosis. And since then, there is no testing in Minnesota anymore, um, except for private physicians, which are unaffordable for a lot of people. Yeah. So definitely testing and more access to knowledgeable doctors. Yes. But one of the things I really struggle with is doctors giving up on me or other healthcare practitioners giving up on me yeah. because I'm too complex. And like, I don't get to wake up in the morning and say, hey, this body's too complex. I'm going to just mm -hmm. hop into another body. Yes. It's like, I'm stuck with this. I'm stuck with this body. And, you know, I want someone who's curious in figuring it out. And I yeah. understand that there will be trial and error. That's part of the disease, unfortunately. Yeah. But I have a primary care doctor now that does not understand a lot about mast cell disease, but I can come to her with questions and ideas and we can work together to at least figure out a next step or yes. to monitor my blood work and do the best that she can to help me and yes. not give up on me because it's really easy to lose hope when you're in so much pain all the time and you're isolated. So I'm hoping that doctors will begin to find ways to work with patients and, you know, give them a little more hope and yes. support that they need. Yeah, and that's so powerful, you know, to be so many people come to see me and, and that's exactly what's happened to them. People they've been given up on, you know, it's so, it's so sad and it has to change because the impact that has on somebody as well to feel like there's no hope. I mean, it's, it's terrible on the body, on the uh, nervous system, on our stress levels, um, like you say, on your pain as well. So, wow, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so obviously we're trying to raise awareness of Marcel's and, and we kind of touched on this. Um, for people listening um, to your story, you know, what advice would you have? You know, how do they go about getting help? Or, you know, they might be recognizing a lot of their symptoms in what you've said, but is it difficult to, to get testing? I mean, it sounds like it is um, to, get, to get help. What would you recommend they do? It's really challenging as an advocate mm. to know that so many people need help and need doctors and they're yes. just not available. Yes. For me, online communities have been absolutely essential 
for my physical and mental health. So for example, when I had a CSF leak and no doctor believed that I could have one without being in a car accident or something like violently traumatic, I was able to connect with other people who had CSF leaks and hear what their experiences were. So for example, my MRI did not show a CSF leak. That happens all the time. So there are much better tests for CSF leaks. And, you know, while other patients can't provide medical advice and shouldn't be telling you which medications you take, it can be really valuable in leading you in the right direction and making sure that you ask doctors the correct Questions. questions. Yeah. And finally, just like, do not give up. Like I had a hole in my head for four months. It was, it would be so easy to give up but I had people online that were validating what I was going through and that helped me continue to pursue healthcare. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And so now you're at a stage where you obviously you understand more about what's going on in your body. You know, how do you manage your symptoms? So what has worked for you? What hasn't worked quite so well? How do you manage Um, you know, every day is different and uh, mast cell triggers pop up all the time. Uh, yes. I can tell you today that um, I started a medication that helps me with dysautonomia, which is dysfunction of the central nervous system. And yes. um, I don't have a lot of blood flow to my legs sometimes. So I started this medication that helps me greatly just to be able to stand up and move around. Right. But the mast cells in my kidney do not like it. I have interstitial cystitis. Um, Mast cells inflame my urinary tract. And so last night, my kidney hurt so bad that I slept funny. And now um, the joints in my neck are flaring. So I have hypermobility issues in my neck. So you can just see how the different conditions can kind of play off of each other. And it's really frustrating sometimes. But um, I think that people with these diseases are some of the greatest problem solvers. And you start to build a toolkit of things that work for you, like medication, different exercises. Um, I like magnesium salt baths or oils different relaxation techniques and you build these over time and you just start to rely on them. You also build a support network and, you know, um, different resources so that, you know, I'm, if I'm struggling today and I don't have food in the fridge, I can, you know, ask for help. Although asking for help is really difficult. I will throw that out there. Um, We all need to learn how to ask for help a little bit a little bit more so um absolutely i'm learning but um yeah i mean i just i have a different it affects my entire body so i have different problems different days yeah but avoiding my triggers and avoiding those you know movements i'm not jumping hurdles anymore (laughs) (laughs) good Um, that's probably a good idea (laughs) that yeah (laughs) i also played tuba in the marching band and let me tell you my body did not like that so okay 
on so you've got um, a blog which is called Hells Bells and Mars Cells, um, and you I read a blog post about how you exercise um, with your condition. And um, could you tell us a little bit about that because it was quite unusual, wasn't it? Um, your exercise regime. Yeah. So I have two wonderful toy poodles. Yeah. And one of them is a little more athletic and demanding than the other one. Right. And he doesn't care what condition my body is in to <laughs> get his exercise. Of course. Yeah. So I had started training agility, um, dog agility, where you have these courses with different obstacles. So one of them's like an A-frame where the dog runs way up to like five feet and comes back down, a bunch of jumps, tunnels, yeah. there's a teeter-totter, lots of fun stuff. Yeah. I had started training in that before I got really sick with mast cell activation syndrome, before I knew I had any of these diagnoses. Yeah. And it brought so much joy to me. I think dogs are a wonderful coping mechanism for yeah. any health issue because they bring joy to life and yes. they live in the moment and, and they don't care if you're ill or disabled. They just want to spend time with you. Yeah. yeah. So um, I thought that dog agility was all about having the dog run through the course, but I didn't know it's like very demanding for the human <laughs> as well. You have to uh, run the course in order and you have to remember where to go and you have to direct the dog and the timing is has to be impeccable in order to like uh, show the dog where to go and give the command. And so I started struggling with mast cell activation syndrome and falling downstairs and yes. not being able to lift my arms and then having these subluxations of my ribs. And it would have been so easy to give up. But at the time, it was the only thing that was really consistently bringing me joy. Oh. because when I went to the gym with my dog, he was so happy. He was <laughs> barking. I mean, he's eating treats the whole time. So who wouldn't be happy, <laughs> but um, it was just a great escape. And then my dog um, would also steal treats from other people's bags. So I was making yeah. new friends, even though I was in incredible pain and I wouldn't have gone out and meet people otherwise. Yes. You know, these friends turned out to be lifetime friends who, as I got sicker, learned about my disabilities yes. and, you know, switched to fragrance free products and looked out for me. They knew where my EpiPen was. They knew where my inhaler was. Yes. Um, and I started seeing a lot of benefits of the sport for me personally. Yes. I don't think everyone would benefit from dog agility, but for <laughs> me personally, I realized that the, um, because of the high impact sport for the dogs, there are yes. these padded mats that we run on. And so, oh. you know, one of the things I worried about was passing out. And I was like, well, this is the safest place to pass out. I'm surrounded by people and there's cushion floor. So, yeah. wow. um, yeah, Sounds so. good to Perfect. me. Yeah. And I learned that I could, you know, accommodate myself by teaching my dog to 
run further away from me and um, teaching him how to run with me so that if I couldn't get somewhere at the right time, he could do certain obstacles on his own. Yes. It was really empowering because yeah. I found ways to adapt instead of just straight quitting. Yeah. And then I started finding out I felt better. I felt I felt a little so so I run for like about a minute or two. The course is really short, it's timed. You give it your all for a minute. And sometimes yes. I cannot run another minute after that. It takes everything in my body to do that. Yes. And, you know, I have trouble breathing afterwards. I have hand tremors. I feel like I'm going to throw up sometimes. It has gotten better over time. Yes. But then I noticed the next day, I felt a lot better. And I think you speak to this all the time is that, you know, just having some regular movement can yeah. make you feel a lot better. Absolutely. And when you're in pain, you know, you just want to, you want to lay in bed or you want to lay on the couch and nurse that pain. But my dog makes me move, you know, for a minute. I chase them around for a minute and give it my all. And that's been helping me a lot. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I think, you know, it's all about finding what works for you. Right. So every one of us will be different, but like you say, moving really does help I mean it helps on so many levels and if people can find something that works for them um, and like you say it doesn't have to be that you're out running a marathon you're doing what works for you and you, the best thing is that you get joy from it so I think the most important thing you said was that it gives you so much joy you know if you're if you're experiencing joy while you're exercising or moving or whatever we want to call it your brain's in a different place. You're not focusing on your pain. You're focusing on this moment with your dog or on your bike or whatever it is people want to do. Um, and that's just so powerful. I think you said it's empowering. Um, so that's great. Yeah, I love that blog post about your exercise regime. It was really, really interesting. And I noticed in your blog that you, as you said, you use humor a lot on your blog posts. Um, do you find this helps understanding and accepting your condition or explaining it to other people, the use of humor? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I had a dry sense of humor since I've been young. Um, but, you know, when I would go to work and I'd be waiting for the elevator and someone would ask me, like, how was your weekend? And... I was like, well, I threw up and then I <laughs> laid on the couch. I couldn't make dinner because I was too weak. Like, and then people just look completely devastated and like, they don't know what to say. And then they stop asking you. <laughs> so, um, yeah. you know, now, now when someone asks me, how am I doing? I try to approach it with a little humor, like, well, which body part do you want to know? fell apart this weekend like <laughs> I just do it with a little bit of level levity so and I think humor connects us all as people you know not everyone has mast cell activation syndrome and not everyone has it to the degree that I do but and it's complex and it's hard for people to understand because there are so many components to yes. it yeah but 
when you talk about these little cells throwing grenades all over your body, people can relate to that better. Yeah. Um, it's helped me build a really great community of other patients who we can, you know, we're in incredible pain and I could cry at any moment about the experiences that I've gone through, but it's much more fun to connect with people through humor and, you know, have a little bit of a break from all the crap that we go through. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's invaluable. And, um, what would be your sort of top tips for anyone listening? You know, people who are listening, um, who can relate to your journey, see themselves um, in a similar situation. If, you know, what would be your top tip for them to, you know, to move forward or to manage their symptoms? I mean, my first tip would be listen to your body. You know, just yeah. because a doctor says something that, you know, we're learning about chronic illnesses all the time. And if your body hurts or something is bothering you and there's no one that can help you, it doesn't mean it's not happening. Yeah. And make sure that you are able to talk to people that, you know, will listen to those things and validate you. Yes, I know, you know, I lost a lot of friends and, you know, I, I didn't hear from family very much when I got sick, but there are people online or elsewhere that will listen to you. There are communities that exist for different conditions of people yeah. that do care and want to go through this journey with you. So please reach out if you're feeling like the pain is too much and you need direction. I, it's definitely hard. It, it yeah. doesn't make it um, yeah. solve all the problems, but uh, knowing that there are other people out there that are going through it. And, and there are doctors and researchers that are working on this conditions. Like, yeah. I love that you share your personal story. There are other doctors with personal stories with hypermobility and mast cell activation syndrome. Yeah. And I truly believe in this next decade, we're gonna see incredible amounts of knowledge and new treatments available for patients. So please do not give up hope. Yeah. Um, and then just find something that you enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, when I started my blog, I could not imagine writing a monthly blog post. My brain fog was so bad that I could not read like a single page in a book. Um, I just, I couldn't even follow a TV episode. So I would stare at the wall. I would turn on a podcast and pretend that I knew what was happening, but I did not. But, you know, I... I found tools to get better and I worked on my blog and now it has grown over five years and I have a community. So do something you enjoy, do it bit by bit. Do not yeah. give up on your dreams. Continue to pursue what you love and find people that support you. Oh, that's such a powerful message. I think that sums everything up beautifully. Really, really love that. Thank you. And. Um, just so people know, how do they find your blog? How do they find your Instagram? 
Um, and can you tell us a little bit about the film and when we could see it as well? When's it coming out? Definitely. I have a website, hellsbellsandmastcells.com yep. and then you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Um, also Hells Bells and Mass Cells. Yep. And I have blog posts on my website, but then on social media, I post these like one-liner jokes because I know some people do not have the energy to read a whole blog post. I just, yeah. you know, I went through that myself. So yes. um, come laugh with me on social media. And um, it's not just for people who are chronically ill, but anyone with a body that wants yep. to laugh, you'll have <laughs> That's a good all time. Of us. Yeah. I think we can all pass. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Yes. Um, and, and the film. Um, but and what then, is the film called and when can we see it? Yeah, so the documentary is called Life Inverted and it's about mast cell activation syndrome and my story of finding my diagnosis, getting treatments, a lot of the newest treatments I've tried, which is really exciting. And also, my dogs are in it. Oh. It's a movie with dogs in it, and the dogs don't die at the end, so it's very <laughs> exciting. Oh, there you go. Um, oh. And it's expected to come out um, in April of 2021. Okay, April 2021. And where will it be? Do you know what platform? Or We're not sure yet, not sure yet. but okay. I am very hopeful that it will be widely shared so that yeah, I will be advocating strongly that it is widely shared with yeah. everyone. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you'll announce it on your social media, won't you? So we can, we can find out more then. That's really exciting. Absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely. Yes. So that's going to be a very valuable film for, even if you don't have Marcel, it sounds like um, you can learn a lot from that film. And, you know, thank you so much for sharing today because you know, this podcast is all about uncovering, you know, the truth, you know, things that maybe we don't know, or we don't talk about and, and spreading awareness about what life really is like for some people living with EDS, mast cells, um, just hypermobility, hypermobility spectrum disorder, whatever, whatever you have. Um, I think, you know, it's really important that we speak openly about it and and share and educate each other and support each other, which, which you've talked a lot about today. Um, so thank you so much. Some really, really powerful messages in there. So thank you for your time. And um, yeah, next time, if you come back, we, we'd love to have your dogs on here. And um, I, can have my, I can have my dog on here too. And we can have a podcast with puppies, you know? It'd be really nice. <laughs> so- Well, Quixote, uh loves to interrupt my video so I'm sure okay. he would be glad he's, yes. he's a movie star now so yeah. excellent <laughs> oh well thank you Kia and um, thank you to everyone for listening to this episode of finding your range I hope you found that um, useful and educational um, and inspiring I was very inspired by a lot of what Kia said so thank you again um, so until next time thank you for listening and until then, keep moving.